I am here with Ted. Uh, Ted is the community market manager here at RBC in uh, Vancouver. Quite a few questions I want to ask him, considering all the scare about inflation, interest rates, all of that, all of that going on right now. And is this normal? Is this not normal? So. To kick things off, could you begin by telling us your career journey on how you landed in your current position as a community market manager here at RBC? Sure. Um, hi, Matthew. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, before I answer that question, I do want to say a big congratulations to you. Uh, in preparation for uh, our talk today, I had an opportunity to, to check out your podcast and uh, awesome. the list the list of people that you have talked to is incredibly impressive and uh, i really enjoyed listening to all of all of the people that you've had an opportunity to 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 interview and uh, i've learned a lot and uh, i think it's a great thing that that you're doing and uh, really good information uh, not just for young people but uh, for uh, business people and leaders as well so great job thank you so much um yeah, my name is Ted Weens. I'm a community manager for uh, Royal Bank, RBC, and uh, uh, my particular area that I look after, it's sort of like an area manager type of, of job. So I, I look after branches in the Kingsway corridor of, of Burnaby. Um, my journey, well, um, my journey started uh, 37 years ago with RBC. It's hard to believe that much time has, has passed. Um, but like a lot of people, I got into banking uh, a little bit by accident. Uh, when I interview people for uh, jobs or employment with RBC, one of the questions I always like to ask is, you know, when you were five years old or seven years old and, you know, relatives asked you a question, you know, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. I'm pretty sure nobody ever says banker. Um, and, if they, and if they say it, I always go, you're lying. Um, so no, I, I, I didn't grow up wanting to, 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 to be a banker, but um, uh, as I explored some other different interests when I was uh, younger, uh, eventually I found my way um, into uh, taking business courses uh, in, in college. And um, yeah, I eventually found banking and uh, uh, funny story. Um, uh, when I when I got my my uh, business diploma, uh, I was trying to to think. Well, what kind of business should I get into? Mm -hmm. And I came up with the great idea. And of course, this doesn't really work now. But um, I assumed that all of the businesses uh, that were available had to be in the yellow page book. So I pulled out the yellow pages. And uh, I passed on the uh, accounting part in the in the A's, and I got to the B's pretty quick. And uh, I saw banks. And uh, <laughs> my 37 career, year career with RBC uh, started with me going through the phone book to see all the different businesses I could choose from, and uh, I stopped at B banking. So did finance at all interest you before you came to that B banking? Yeah, so um, what, what I wanted to be since I was five years, years old was uh, actually a pilot and, and to do that for a living. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I actually had a, a pilot's license before I had a driver's license. Uh, but I had a medical condition that prevented me from, uh, at least at the time uh, back then in the 80s, 
um, doing that as uh, as as um, a career. Uh, so. Uh, I did some uh, searching and I wanted to be smart about what I picked next uh, for myself, sort of a plan B. And um, I thought the future back then uh, would definitely be digital and uh, computers. And so uh, I went to, uh, to college first uh, learning how to be a programmer. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what I did first. And uh, as I went through that, I decided that that wasn't for me. I couldn't. I couldn't see myself uh, doing that every day. It just didn't fit my personality. Uh, I, I like spending time with uh, with people, and um, so I switched what what I had done so far into a business general business program, and uh, that's when I started getting very interested in finance and how companies work. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, I think for a lot of people, asking yourself the question, you know, maybe the thing that you do in the future, even if you're already into your career and it's early in your career, some of the things that you'll be doing 10, 20 years from now might not exist yet. And and you kind of have to anticipate, well, what are the skill sets that I might need for the future for these jobs that maybe aren't even invented yet? Mm -hmm. And could that also apply to going to school and in school seeing what, so for example, when you were growing up, uh, if you had a course for like computers or learning about computers and what they do, uh, because it was a pretty new thing, would you say that would also be a good good path to go down while, you know, trying all these different new things that could be interesting and big in the future? Yeah, because it's... um it's a great point you bring up. It's like a puzzle. And mm-hmm. and all of these things are pieces of the puzzle. And uh, I'm a big believer in life that you're, you're surrounded by so much opportunity every single day to, to uh, see something, learn something, to step in and help to... And, and, I, and I think even if you take um, some education that maybe isn't what you, you were hoping it would be or thought it would be or you pick a career that, you know, later you change your mind and, and you want to do something else. Um, it's a journey. And you, you can't look at all of that and your exposure to it or your experiences with those things and say, well, you know, maybe I wasted, a, you know, a year or two learning programming. No, it was very valuable. It was incredibly valuable, um, n- not just to learn um how to program and flow charting and uh, and everything that that brings with it, but also to the dynamic of, well, how do programmers interact with the companies or the organizations that they work for, and um, h- how are they um, writing code and and building programs and applications that support and grow the business or the organization and ultimately the customers. So, you know, I look back on it that it almost didn't matter what I took, um, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it was becoming a pilot or becoming a programmer or going to business school or being a banker, there's something to learn from all of that. And I'm very grateful for those experiences. Could you share a bit about what your role as a community manager is and what you do as a community manager? Yeah, so um, community manager, at least as far as RBC uh, goes, is is basically a, an area manager of branches uh, for uh, 
that uh, personal clients, small business clients know and would, would, would go to. So uh, my job, uh, I'm responsible for everything that happens uh, regarding RBC uh, in my community, in, in my area. And uh, I oversee um, two branches uh, in King, on King's Way in Burnaby. And um, pretty much everything that goes on there, I'm responsible for the successful running uh, of the business and the growth of the business, um, making sure that um, I am involved in the community is an incredibly important thing. Um, uh, one of the things also that I do, which, which may touch on some of the, uh, maybe some of the questions that we, you may ask today, um, I am also um, uh, chair of the boards of uh, Burnaby Neighborhood House, um, Burnaby Meals on Wheels, uh, Burnaby um, Community Services, and uh, Burnaby Seniors Outreach Society. So I'm chairman of the board of, of those four organizations as well. So um, there's a lot of parallels, uh, even with not-for-profit organizations and, and, and leadership within that and uh, recruiting um, employees and volunteers and um, you know, looking, um, looking after you know, boards of these organizations and, and also what I do for, uh, for RBC. So I basically try to get myself into everything going on in the community. The great thing too is, is that uh, uh, I live in Burnaby as well, so I'm fully mm -hmm. entrenched uh, in everything that's, uh, that's going on in, in, in Burnaby. What are some of the biggest challenges regarding finance you see around us today? Um, I, I think the biggest thing right now is um, obviously probably interest rates. I, I, I think that uh, d depending on who you are, I, I think for people that have mortgages, um, there is a lot of adjustments that people are having to do right now uh, to fit in the higher interest rates. Um, and it's not just right now. Um, everybody has to give some thought as to what they think is going to happen in the future because as you get a mortgage or as you um, renew a mortgage, you have to make some decisions about how long you want to lock in interest rates or if, if, if you want the interest rates to be variable. And those aren't easy decisions for, for people to make. And part of the reason that, that that's a, a big challenge right now at the moment is because we're just coming off a, a really extended period of very low interest rates, abnormally low interest rates. Mm. And I'm talking for you know, roughly uh, 10 years, um, you know, well before COVID, you know, interest rates were still um, pretty low. And uh, so it's a big adjustment for people right now. Where interest rates are right now is not unusually high for um, historical perspective. Um, I, I remember when I joined RBC in 1986, uh, I believe the interest rates back then, and I didn't know any different, so I just assumed that's normally what they are, but they're close to 20%. Oh, wow. 20%. So, you know, if, if, uh, you know, if, if a mortgage rate is 5, 6, 7% right now, um, it's going to take a lot of adjustment for people to get used to that. But, um, you know, we, we have had periods where it's, uh, it's far bigger than that. What do you think the average interest rate should be or 
Uh, well, I mean, I mean, for for different people, it's different. But what do you think economically uh, should the interest rate be? This is the point where I tell you I am not uh, a, an economics uh, <laughs> advisor. However, um, uh, f- from my perspective and, and, and my formal education and, and, and what I do for a living uh, all, all these years, um, what's important for uh, all, all um, countries is to find a landing spot that uh, creates um, a good spot for the economy uh, to grow um, at, at a pretty decent level and, and eliminate a lot of variability and ups and downs. And um, I think everybody who's watched what's going on right now has probably watched the news, so I'm only repeating uh, things that, that most people, I, I think, already are exposed to. But um, in the central bank wants to... Um, use the levers that it has to get uh, inflation uh, down to a target level. Um, it changes a little bit over time, but you know whether that's a 3% target level, um, that's where they need to get it to. And it has, and, and, and it has to stay there. Uh, so uh, raising interest rates uh, is one way of doing that. And uh, mm-hmm. controlling the money supply is, is, is another way. And uh, if you go on YouTube, you can see uh, lovely arguments in the House of Commons uh, pretty much on a daily basis uh, between the politicians discussing, you know, balanced budgets or not balanced budgets, governments uh, overspending uh, that, ten, you know, the money supply tends to, uh, to uh, also put upward pressure uh, on interest rates as well. So... Um, the uh, central bank right now is just looking uh, to keep interest rates high until we're pretty satisfied that um, inflation is going to hit the target levels that they've established somewhere around 3%. And um, uh, right now, uh, it actually uh, is pretty close to that. Uh, But Mm -hmm. um, we also have uh, potentially a recession coming uh, as well. So uh, everybody's just trying to navigate that. Mm -hmm. What about the move towards cryptocurrencies? Mm-hmm. How would that look like, and is it going to help uh, interest rates, inflation, all of that good stuff? Uh, f- from my perspective, I, I don't know. Um, so, uh, electronic uh, current digital currencies, uh, cryptocurrency. Um, right now, what has to happen is there has to be global agreement uh, on regulations. Um, and until that happens, uh, all of that is still a little bit like, you know, the old Wild West uh, mm-hmm. times. Um, and uh, in, until that happens, um, I can't really answer that question, but for sure it's coming. And, and also, um, I know that from time to time there's discuss about uh, a world currency. You know, do, do we need countries with separate currencies? So, you know, there's all sorts of things um, being talked about right now. And I, and I think a lot of those things or pieces of them are actually going to happen and, and be entrenched. And, and there will definitely be um, a new framework for the economy, for the world's economies, for sure. But um, we're trying to navigate all that right now and, and get all the regulations in place. What is your opinion on government regulated currencies? Is this something that we don't have enough some some people could uh, argue that we might not have enough freedom with government regulated currencies or 
you know, different arguments. What is what 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 is your opinion on this? Do do you mean uh, the government being in control of their own currencies? Yeah. So, for example, uh, China, I'm pretty sure, is thinking about making uh, their own cryptocurrency, um, where they're going to regulate it. And I just want to see what you think about this and if this is a good approach. Um, I guess it depends on everybody's motivations, right? Um, uh, I, I can use as an example um, Russia recently, mm-hmm. uh, after uh, the invasion of the Ukraine, um, world economies tried to shut Russia out of um, things like the SWIFT system, the global SWIFT system, uh, uh, where where people can uh, and countries can wire money uh, between countries and. Um, uh, so Ru- Russia went ahead and created their own uh, way that they and uh, some some countries that are more closely aligned with them uh, after the invasion are able to um, still conduct business in rubles and uh, and and do some trading in different types of currency. So it all depends, Matthew, on on why are they doing it. Um, and, and again, if we can get to the point where, you know, maybe there's more of a, um, an actual global currency, um, that, that would help. Uh, it's quite complicated right mm-hmm. now with, uh, you know, trade between countries and um, how that affects uh, foreign exchange rates and, and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, that's, that's probably the easiest way to answer that one. I, mm-hmm. it, it all right. depends on the motivation of why they're doing it. And in, in this particular case, usually countries are doing it because um, um, they have some sort of um, self-interest to, to move ahead with it. Would you say that time is valuable and would you say that you personally value it? <laughs> yes. Awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, do you do you think that understanding the concept and value of time comes naturally, or is this something that could be taught to someone younger and you know them growing up understanding the value of time? Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I think time uh, can be taught. Uh, of course, as you get older, your perspective on time uh, changes. Uh, I'm sure I'm no different than anyone else. I, I thought I had all the time in the world when I was younger and. <laughs> Uh, and now I, I, I see that uh, that I don't, and there's never enough hours in the day to do everything that you want. But right. you know, it's all it's all about making choices, and it's about efficiency. And you know, e- even as a, a business leader or a parent or you know whatever it is, um, you have to make tough choices for yourself, and, and you need to be completely honest with yourself. I think. In, in how you spend your time. And, and you really have to make decisions about, you know, is, is the value of the time I'm spending and what I'm doing going to give me a return on that time? Or is it like a nice to do? And I, I think in everybody's life, there should be these completely, you know, um, waste of time uh, type things where you just indulge in something, um, what do they call it? Your guilty pleasure. You know, mm-hmm. there's just right. every once in a while you just want to whatever, sit down and, and read a fiction book or go to the movies or, you know, um, play an instrument or go for a while. 
you know, those things are incredibly important, but um, for everything else, and I'll use like what I do for a living as an, as an example, um, I spend a lot of time with people in my job and when I'm sitting down with somebody, it's really, really important that they feel that at that moment, they're the only person that um, matters to me and I have all the time in the world for them and I'm fully engaged in listening and participating uh, in our conversation. Now, behind the scenes, of course, uh, there are a million different things right. uh, that, that I need to get to. So it's, it's just trying to structure your day in a way where you're not doing nice to do things, um, but you're doing things that are valuable. Um, and and you, you structure your day that way. So as an example, during the day, uh, when I'm interacting uh, with people, uh, let's say during normal business hours, um, I try to make myself available for people. Um, you know, paperwork and analysis and uh, doing job interviews and you know, all, all that sort of thing. I, I try to do that either early in the morning uh, or, or a little bit later at night. With showing the person you are talking to that they matter to you right now and nothing else matters, is there like a psychological trick behind it or what tricks do you use to make them feel like they're the only person that matters right now? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good question. I, uh, I mean, reading body language is, is really important uh, to me. I, I want to see that that other person um, is relaxed and I can kind of tell in their eyes and, and, their, own, and their own body language that they, they can sense I'm listening and they have my full attention and um, most importantly that I care. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if there's, there's a trick to it, but I, I think you always need to be um, self-aware um, because it's hard to turn off all the things that are going on in your mind, um, or at least it is for me, um, that, that you're constantly thinking of throughout the day. And um, just making sure that, you know, there's lots of eye contact that you, you can actually in your mind recite what the person's telling you. Um, there's, there's, always, there's always the thing where I, I think people want to spend their time thinking about what they're going to say in response to what somebody says, but you have to really resist that. And um, uh, just think, a, it's easy to say, but think a little bit faster um, and, uh, and, and make sure that you're still listening and you don't disengage because, oh, I know what I'm going to say to what this person's saying. And then because right. when you do that, you, you, you've already decided I'm not listening anymore to the rest of what they're saying. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I think you just have to uh, be a little bit disciplined with all of that. Mm -hmm. Looking back at your school years. How did formal education prepare you for your career? And were there any gaps that you didn't know how to bridge them uh, because school hasn't taught you those things? Yeah, um, I, I can speak to that from, from my own perspective. Um, I can also speak to it from, from a sort of parent perspective. You mm -hmm. know, I've, I've, I've got uh, four kids and uh, uh, some of them have, have uh, just finished all of their formal education. And I've got uh, two that are still um, going through theirs. And um, thing, things have changed uh, for sure since uh, um, 
you know, the, the 60s and 70s and 80s, you know, when, when I was doing my formal education. Mm -hmm. um, but for sure, there's always going to be um, potential gaps. Um, and, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll bring up the self-awareness thing. Um, yeah. You know, w when I look back, and, and I don't think it's unusual, um, I wanted to be a pilot. So uh, I looked at school, formal school, as not important to me. So, mm -hmm. but what was important was me learning everything that there had to do with um, planes and being a pilot and, um, uh, uh, and, and not forcing myself to go, oh, well, physics is kind of important to, to being a pilot. Meteorology is kind of important to being a pilot and, and so on. So, um, yeah, you know, I think you need to be self-aware because formal education of course, trans that's why they teach it. <laughs> it translates into everything else. You just have to recognize uh, that it does so that you can kind of put all of that together. There's always going to be gaps, um, but I, I, I think the most important things are um, eventually learning how you learn the best. And everyone's a little bit different, but you have to come up eventually uh, as soon as possible uh, with your framework for learning. So um, uh, learning new material, uh, memorizing new material, um, uh, that sort of thing. Um, also too, the concept of going above and beyond. You know, the sooner that you can learn that in formal education, because that translates into what you do in life. And it's like, oh, well, we only have to learn this. Yeah, but what if I had to learn? What what if I learned some extensions to that? Um, how could I incorporate that not only to be more successful as uh, academically and as a student, but it teaches you in life? Um, always try to do more. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of debate on whether or not our current education system is preparing students for the modern workforce. Um, what is your perspective on this and do you think that schools have begun to be more lenient on students than they were when you were in school and is this a good approach for their future or not well some of the changes is really good because i i, I remember uh in elementary school we were still um getting sent down to the principal's office and getting the strap and, <laughs> and stuff like that so i'm glad all of uh um, that stuff is, is gone. Hmm. But um, no, I, I think the education uh, system uh, is still okay. And, and the reason that I say that is because part of my job is I'm constantly recruiting people uh, into our industry. Um, I also speak from time to time and involve myself in events on campus at universities um, and um, I, I see what they do, and I get a chance to interview uh, young people all the time. And regardless of the formal education system, uh, the cream of the crop of people that apply for jobs have self-navigated their way into whatever gaps they may see that, that, that are there for them. And uh, like I said before, they go above and beyond um, um, 
volunteering uh, in, in, in all sorts of different ways, being involved in their, in their universities uh, in different ways. Um, they're exceptional in their individual pursuits and they're exceptional in how they work in teams, um, in their part-time jobs and their hobbies. Um, uh, one of the things I look for, and I, and I constantly harp on this with people, but when I, when I see a resume, whether it was, you know, 30 years ago or now, mm -hmm. um, and, and resumes probably won't even be a thing, probably, you know, a few years from now even. I, I, I think we're evolving into some different ways that, that people apply for jobs and position themselves. But um, people will list a, a resume of, of what they've done in their life. But what they have to do is they have to highlight in there um, at least once in your life have you wanted to excel in something and it doesn't matter what it is it could be in school it could be a hobby it could be a part-time job uh, it could be in a sport it could be in music it doesn't matter what it is but I need to see that it's inside of you to want to be exceptional in something at some point because if let's say you're whatever 25 years old and you're applying for a job and everything's kind of just going along and and it's it's all very average there's nothing wrong with that at all but it's highly unlikely that you're going to start wanting to go above and beyond and, and, and to be exceptional. So I really encourage people that it's never too early to start um, to, to explore and be motivated uh, to, try, to try and be really good at something. And again, it doesn't matter what it is because that exploration, you're, you're gonna uncover um, some things about yourself that you didn't know and that's gonna be translatable into other aspects of your life later. So if you were, if someone was to bring your resume and it showed a place where they've excelled or have done better than expected, you would pick them over somebody else who has a so-called average resume? Well, what, what, what's going to happen, Matthew, is we're going to spend a whole lot of time talking about that thing that you did exceptionally well. Okay. Um, how did you pick it? Like, why did you decide to do that? What motivated you mm -hmm. to do it? did you map it out like how did you how did you do it you you accomplished something um exceptional it just doesn't happen by accident or rarely right. happens by accident walk me through how you did that if you can answer those questions then that's hopefully translatable in, into other aspects of life uh, if they can't answer the question even though they accomplished it they they, they haven't sort of figured out mm -hmm. how they they did it they did it Right. But they right. haven't given thought as to um, how. Mm -hmm. If I were to come in to you and I was, you know, trying to find a job at the bank for the first time, what different tips or tricks could I use to, I can't say guarantee me the job, but do better and make you remember me more than others? Um, I'll start that with, with saying, I because I, I'm recruiting all the time, um, I have so much respect for people that are looking for jobs and I certainly remember how difficult it was for myself, you know, mm -hmm. when, when you're young and, 
you finish school and you're trying to find a job and and, and you get a lot of no's and um, you know none of that's changed it's, it's very difficult out there and and um, I really feel for people uh, looking for jobs I mentioned one of the big things that, that, that you're asking earlier which was you know really make sure that you're positioning in every way possible um, where y you've excelled at, at something um, Diversity is also a really important thing um, where it's, it's maybe, especially for a young person who's just finishing school, that it's not just academically um, uh, where may, maybe you've uh, excelled, um, but how does that relate to you know, outside organizations or groups that you've been involved with? How, do, how, how does that relate to uh, a balanced life for somebody, you know, juggling what you're doing with uh, with your family, hobbies, uh, taking care of yourself, whether it's sports or you're well read or, you know, all of those sorts of things. So it's important um, to have a diversity, I, I, th I think, to what you do. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to, there's a concept that, um, and, and um, employers have the same concept, uh, the worst time to look for a job and the worst time for us to hire for a job is when we need it because then there's a time issue so I have uh, a job opening mm -hmm. and it's open because there's nobody in it so I need to hire somebody pretty quick and you're gonna go through the process really quick and I and um, same thing for when you're applying for jobs you know most people take a look at okay well what jobs are available right now and I'm gonna apply for those yeah well everybody else is gonna do that too so what you really want to do is start to position yourself with organizations when they're not looking that gets you on their list ahead of time so even internally within RBC, uh, from a career perspective, I coach people to, you know, if there's something in the future that you want to do, I want to start introducing you to the decision makers um, in those parts of the bank uh, sooner rather than later. Because when they have a need, instead of um, them posting the job and waiting for applications to come in, they're already thinking, Oh, Ted introduced me to somebody and I really enjoyed my conversation with them a couple of months ago if nothing else that person you know could really work out so I encourage people to um, actually be proactive in positioning themselves with organizations when there isn't an actual job available that also gives you a really important thing and that is time for you to actually check what that company does and that position or positions that you may be interested in when they, they they do get posted you actually have some time to try and find out well what actually do they do um, if i did that job what would ultimately i be responsible for and assessed in terms of my performance for producing you know, so that I can be assessed as to how good a job I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I have tons of people that apply for jobs and they they really don't know what they're applying for and, and, and it shouldn't be that way. So ahead of time, be proactive, um, 
don't wait for for job postings just say i want to work in this type of company or this industry or whatever and start to position yourself ahead of time what about during the interview is there any uh psychological tricks that they could use to seem either more engaged or or make you love them more than someone else well <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest you know I, I i think you know pretty much anybody can um be on their best behavior for one hour with a stranger so um again i would encourage people ahead of time Mm-hmm. to start to position themselves, um, start to form a relationship with the organization and the decision makers, because the one hour is, is, is a really tough thing. Um, as an employer, um, one of the things I try to do is, is somewhat assess their nervousness because um, uh, I, I think people don't always act um, naturally or themselves, and I get it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm no different. I, th- I think everybody's the same. Mm-hmm. If you're in a, um, a situation where, you know, you're, you're, you're being interviewed and you're being assessed and, um, you know, you're, you're, you're going to start to act a little nervous potentially and right. um, may, maybe not be like yourself as much. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to, whether it's, you know, up your game or, you know, just have some more energy or whatever. I just really think it's important that, that you, you just be yourself. Act yourself. That is what is absolutely um, most important. And one other tip I have for people. Um, at any point in life, I'm pretty sure, and again, this goes back to, you know, being awesome or exceptional in your life at some point. Um, always have the two or three most important things uh, about your past that you would really like to share uh, with uh, with the interviewer. Um, don't worry about the questions you're being asked. There is always an opportunity. Anything that you've done exceptionally and you want to tell that story um, will probably have a lot of different dynamics to it and some of those dynamics will fit a question. Just be ready to tell your two or three best stories because I guarantee there'll be a question of some sort that will allow you to say, um, and you know what, I have a good example of this two years ago, mm-hmm. right? And then right. you tell your story. And um, I, I think it's really important because that allows you to be more prepared, right? And you're giving an actual example of something you've done. It's, it's not a hypothetical thing that you're telling. Well, if I get this job, I promise to do this and I promise to do that. Well, that's all hypothetical, right? Hmm. Um, so just just always have your two or three best stories. Are there any advice for teenagers out there that you could give that would motivate them to, you know, get off the couch, get off those video games, games try something new, get out there, see the real world? Um, the only the only tip I have for people is is just really to be curious and um, want to explore and try to find out what really interests you the most mm-hmm. and um, just find find your thing and and it's okay to pick something and go down that path and find out that either it's not possible or you didn't like it or you know we're we're we need to be good with our experiences 
and just get out there and try stuff. Um, but in um, in career planning, there's 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 a couple of different exercises which which actually could help. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, one of the things is um, make a list of the things that you like doing and a list of the things that you hate. And it doesn't mean that you avoid the things that you hate. Um, what that list means is is you have to explore. Well, why do I hate it? There, there's a concept that says always ask why repeatedly about anything until you can't ask why anymore. So you got to you got to get down to the okay, what's the real reason, mm-hmm. right? Right. Like, you know, I'm I'm nervous talking to people. Okay, why? Well, I don't know. No, I don't know. It's not a good answer. Right. Right. You have to find out. I don't have. I think I don't have anything of value to say. Wow. You know, why would you feel that? Well, you know, so you just keep going. Why? Um, and then the list of things that you really enjoy. And, and eventually you'll, you'll kind of come up with the types of jobs that would probably fit you best. But still remember throughout your whole life, you're going to grow. And, mm-hmm. and what, like, I remember, um, you know, I always looked at my dad and, 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 and my dad was, was exceptional with people. I used to, you know, follow him a little bit in his job and uh, I would see him, you know, in stores interacting with, you know, store managers and uh, he was, a, he was a, a sales guy and he was the best. They, he, he won every award you know, all of that. And I just spent my whole life going, I can't be my dad. And I, I don't want to be my dad. I couldn't imagine, you know, me interacting with people like that. And it's so scary. And, um, yeah, eventually I became my dad. Yeah. So, um, but when I was younger, you know, I wanted to stay away from that because, you know, that's, it, it, it made me nervous. I can't do that putting myself out there like that, getting in front of people and talking or mm-hmm. one-on-one in talking, right. that's, that's exposing me to, uh, you know, a, a lot of nervous feelings. I don't want to do that. Well, throw yourself into it and see what happens and, and, exactly. and, and grow, right? So, but start with that list and then um, the things that you like, ask yourself why, and the things that you don't ask or that you don't like, ask, ask why. And um, I guarantee it'll help move you forward. And then last question here, what is your favorite book or, you know, most beneficial book for other students that you suggest and a favorite or beneficial podcast to you? Um, Book-wise, uh, I would say uh, The Wealthy Barber is is probably, it's it's a very old book. It's, it's, it's I don't know how many editions uh, it, it has come out ab- about that book, but uh, it's just real plain conversation and English and everyday sort of um, conversational talk about finances and, mm-hmm. and how to set yourself up uh, for success in your life um, so that uh, financially anyways, uh, you're prepared for all the things that you want to do in the future. Mm-hmm. And uh Podcast, I would say, is yours. Oh. <laughs> and I'm not. No, I'm not just saying that. I've 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 listened to a number of uh, of of your uh, podcasts, and I'm just so interested in 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 what all of your guests um, have to say. But to that question, though, um, I think I think it's really important whether it's 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 books, 
the internet, podcasts, um, <laughs> newspaper, you know, what, whatever. I think, again, this concept of being curious is, is really, really important because what that allows you to do is not necessarily be an expert in, in, in any one thing, unless you choose to, but you know a little bit about most things so that you can at least engage another person in a conversation about it. And, and, and if the other person is more of an expert than you in, in that topic, at least you know about it, but you can ask great questions from the other person about their perspective and right. what they know. And, um, and they'll really appreciate that in the conversation. But um, I just really encourage people that it doesn't matter what the source of the information is, but just be curious about the world and what's going on around you, not to be an expert. Just know enough so that you can decide, hey, I want to know more about this, uh, or I don't, but I know enough that I can talk to people and have a conversation. I see. Well, thank you very much for coming on. We've learned a lot, and hopefully there was quite a few things for listeners to take away from this. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. I hope so. Thank you very much, Matthew. It was my pleasure.